Hi, everyone. Welcome to NBA Unwrapped, where we unwrap the hottest takes from around the NBA. I'm Corbin Weinerman, joined by, as always, Perry Aston. Perry, say hello. How's it going, everyone? And today we are going to be talking about all things Cavs. So, as most of you probably already know, I would hope that you would know if you're following the NBA at all, the Cavaliers have been making some headlines in the news lately, um, from LeBron James to Kyrie Irving to the signing of Derrick Rose. It's been a much more eventful offseason for the Cavaliers than I think anyone expected, or more than any of the Cavaliers fans or management would have hoped for. Um, so, right, and speaking of management, that's one of the biggest problems for this offseason with the front office problems and everything that happened with Dan Gilbert and, you know, everything with the Cavs and having to interview all new GMs and everything. So that's been one of the biggest distractions this offseason as well. Yeah, I think that's really where it starts. So we wanted to start this off talking about just the state of the Cavs. I think it all started um, with the not the firing, but just not deciding to re-sign their GM from the past, David Griffin, um, and go in a different direction with signing their assistant GM to become the head GM. Part of that was, one, they lost out on David Griffin by deciding not to re-sign him. Then they went after Chauncey Billups, who I think would have been a good choice as GM. He's uh, dodged a bullet, though. Oh, Chauncey Billups definitely did. But the whole reason why he didn't sign with them was because they were trying to lowball him. And I think when you have, especially Dan Gilbert, knowing what is going to be happening a year from now with LeBron's free agency, um, and also Kyrie's free agency a year after, you are spending all of this money on players looking at J.R. Smith's contract. He gets like $13 million a year for the next three years. Tristan Thompson gets 16 or $17 million for the next few years. So you're spending all that money on your players going way over the salary cap, over the luxury tax, and having to pay this huge luxury tax bill so why not spend those few extra million dollars to either keep david griffin or get an established i'm not saying chauncey Phillips was an established gm he wouldn't have been my first choice but i think he would have been a fine choice but go after an established gm and do everything you possibly can to make sure that lebron james doesn't leave next year and that Kyrie doesn't leave two years from now Right, and from a fan's point of view, I really liked the Chauncey Billow talk, only because he was so respected in his career, won championships, uh, he's just always been a great guy around the league, and coming into such a volatile situation, I think he would have made a big difference uh, quickly. I think he would have been a player's favorite, and would have attracted a lot of uh, traffic to Cleveland just off his name. I also think that would have had a little bit to do with maybe LeBron staying and the way that they handled the whole situation to begin with and the way it ended. I don't see that being positive in the pursuit of keeping LeBron James and making the Cavs front office better. I think, if anything, it you know maybe stayed the same. I don't think it's a bad decision uh, making the assistant GM the GM with everything that happened, uh, trying to go for Billups and with the messy, obviously walk away. And I don't think Dan Gilbert really handles any situation well. <laughs> yeah, he uh, has not shown that he's very smart when it comes to dealing with situations in the NBA. And I think or he just loves drama. Yeah, I think Chauncey Billups, though, even though he has never had a front office job in the NBA at all before, never mind as a GM, I think. His ability, obviously he was one of the best leaders in the NBA, if not the best, when he played. And that's definitely something that would have gone with him when he became GM of the Cavs, if that had happened. And I think that he would have been able to... You still probably... You could have heard that Kyrie might have asked for a trade, but you would have had Chauncey Billups in there to try to persuade him to stay, maybe give it some more time, give Chauncey Billups some time. 
And I think just the type of leader that Chauncey Billups is, that he he definitely would have been able to make Kyrie think a little bit more about what he wants to do moving forward more than who the Cavs have now as their GM. Um, one, one thing I did hear talking about Kyrie and the state of the Cavs with Phillips, I know that uh, I read that he came in knowing Kyrie's uh, dis, you know, disappointment in the whole environment, his situation, wanting out. That there was a lot of drama in Cleveland to begin with, uh, always with LeBron James. You never know what he's going to do if it's coming home or going wherever the weather's better and the championships are. But I think that that was a big reason why Chauncey Billups saw such a red flag coming in, was that they did have something great that he could have molded into something even greater, I believe. But knowing that with Kyrie Irving wanting to leave and having so much behind-the-scenes drama that, of course, you're going to see when you're interviewing for such an important job for the front office. You're going to know rather, you know, from the player himself or from reports or anything that he's not happy. And I don't want, you know, for his first job, you don't want the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah, but I think even with that being said, the fact that Chauncey Billups knew that Kyrie was unhappy and knew, obviously, about LeBron James' impending free agency this following offseason. The fact that he still interviewed with the Cavs, that, I mean, obviously he must have figured that he would be able to make an impact to where he could maybe change the whole dynamic of the organization and maybe with his leadership could change the whole culture around the organization. His, his personality, too. I think it would have fit perfectly yeah. uh, oh, with LeBron. I think LeBron yes. really would have stayed if Chauncey Billups got hired, and that's just from completely my opinion. I thought that was yeah, their well, move. Well, that was their move to get him to stay, yeah, in my well, opinion. He, he hasn't left yet, but I think we all assume he will be leaving. So Right, and uh, even for it to be a thought in his mind, to bring Billups in, I think that thought in his mind really would have went away. And they would have seen, okay, you know, maybe we've gotten as good as we think we can get, but now we have a new sheriff in town with a more modern aspect of the game, uh, more hands-on, I would assume, considering I think he's one of the best players to act as a coach on the floor that I've ever seen. And, uh, you know, that made a huge difference for the Pistons, who really, I don't think, were the best team. Uh, I think they played a gritty yeah. style of play and really won championships with defense, which well, you one, hear one, always... One championship, unfortunately, uh, against sorry, the Lakers. Yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, they, they got to another. Championships. Yep. And I really think Billups was the reason why. Rip Hamilton, great player. The Wallaces, great players. But you need to have a floor general, not just a point guard. If you're going to win a championship and come into the championship every year uh, with a chance to win that, or at yeah. least, you know, definitely make it every year. When you got a squad like that led by Chauncey Billups, who literally is coaching the game as he's dribbling the ball, I think you can win multiple championships if you put the right players around that. You bring that to the front office with a guy like LeBron James, who is the coach anyways, that's a scary combo to me. Yeah, I think... Obviously, it all starts with the leader. We've seen that with Chauncey Billups on the Pistons, who I think just all around were a very gritty team and had great leadership, not just with Billups, but you look at Rip Hamilton, Tayshawn Prince, both of the Wallaces, even though Rasheed Wallace was crazy at points. Um, but, but also, some people forget that LeBron James battled against those Pistons teams. He had that game against the Pistons in the 07 Conference Finals where he scored what was it, like 25 straight yeah, points he, for them really and led them to game. victory and double overtime. So Chauncey Billups is a player that LeBron James respects and someone who he's battled against. And I think it would have been smart for Gilbert to bring him in after letting go of um, their previous GM, who LeBron James made it very clear that he was, he loved Griffin. He loved Griffin as the GM, um, or at least... 
didn't dislike him, which there's a lot of people that LeBron James will dislike very quickly in the NBA. He's not shy about his opinion, but he backed Griffin publicly once um, Griffin was let go. Um, so, all right, let's move on to the next Cavaliers topic. We're going to talk about the Derrick Rose signing a little bit, what it means for him in Cleveland and what it might mean for some other players, namely Kyrie Irving going forward. So I'll let you start with that, Perry. Really, I think this was just a steal. The signing to a one-year signing, of course, at such a low cost is such a high reward, low risk, really just smart decision, uh, in my opinion. You're going to lose Kyrie Irving, or at least there's talk about it, and it's starting to seem more and more imminent as you know the weeks progress. And seeing a player like Derrick Rose, who it's not so unfortunate to see what's happened to his career compared to what he was. I really thought he was going to be one of the best players of all time before the unfortunate injuries, but he still can play. And he proved that in New York last year. And he is a ball dominant guard who needs the ball in his hands and can't shoot all that great. But still he is a playmaker. And when you're losing a guy like Kyrie Irving, but everyone's forgetting LeBron James is still there. Kyrie Irving is not the reason why they won the championship. He definitely had a part to do with it, uh, just like every other player on that team. But if LeBron James doesn't come home, who are the Cleveland Cavaliers? And if Kyrie decides to leave that or not, LeBron James is still in Cleveland. So for me, that's still their plan moving forward. You Just like you said, you haven't lost him yet. He hasn't walked away yet. He's still under contract, and there's all those talks about next offseason. But that's next offseason. You're talking about this coming season and trying to compete with the Warriors because that's the goal every year now. So at this point, you're losing your floor general or, you know, that could be debatable if people say, but definitely a top five or ten point guard, in my opinion, top five. Oh, really yeah, shown a lot in the past five. couple of years, especially how you know consistent he's been most of the time in playoffs. I remember the one time that he was having a tough tough run and LeBron actually wore that Kyrie jersey to boost his confidence in the playoffs and it did and that was a huge showing of support and to me you know it's been so crazy seeing this whole LeBron Kyrie situation unfolding but I just feel like LeBron can't have someone as you know, with the same mindset as Kyrie in Cleveland right now. And he's on the up and up. He wants to be the star of his own team. And that's not going to fly when you're dealing with the Cleveland Cavaliers right now and making the most of LeBron James' last year there, if that's the case. And you don't want the whole last year to be one huge distraction of what are we going to do with Kyrie Irving? And that's going to do nothing but push LeBron out of the door even more. And I think you can agree on that. But Derrick Rose is a perfect signing. There isn't a deep, deep, deep point guard class, especially left at this time. And you're going to steal him for less than Shelvin Mack or any of those kind of guys? That is a steal to me for a guy who had one of his best years last year, not including the MVP in the prime. I'm talking about Uh, when was the last time you remember Derrick Rose having an efficient, good season and actually playing 60-plus games? Well, I mean, so I don't really agree with many of the stuff, much of the stuff that you were just saying. Um, one thing that's, I think, that's what's great about us. Yeah. <laughs> one thing you tried to sneak by was you were saying that you're talking about how great he was before he got injured, and I completely agree with that. But you said on his way to being one of the greatest players of all time, I think. No, I, I, thought, I thought he might slow he might down, have slow one down of on that. The best players of all time, but that's not even. Yeah. That's a what if. I think, so, we'll get past that, because I don't think he was, I think he was on his way to the Hall of Fame, but not one of the best ever. Um, I don't really see it as a great fit. I think, you talk about, other than his MVP year, did he have any efficient seasons? And yeah, his first three years in the league, he had really good seasons. His rookie year... Average 16.8 points. This past year, average 18.0. But after his MVP year, which was his third year in the league, he was injured most of that 2012 season. And then at the end of it, that's when he tore his ACL. 
And then after that, he missed a whole year recovering from that ACL injury. Then he tore, I think it was meniscus, uh, 10 games into the 2014 season, dealt with more knee injuries the rest of his way with the Bulls. So he just hasn't been able to stay healthy. And I think that's part of why we haven't been able to see an efficient Derrick Rose. But the fit to me, Derrick Rose is not someone who is going to be mistaken for a shooter ever. Um, I think the highest three-point percentage he ever shot in his career was 34%, but that was just in a 10-game span in 2014. Other than that, in a season where he actually played a good amount of games, he shot 33.2% his MVP year where he played 81 games. And that's it's an okay percentage. That's still someone who, look, if they're open on the perimeter, yeah, go ahead and shoot. But I think playing with LeBron James, who is someone who needs the ball in his hands a lot, not to score for himself, but to create for others. And you have Derrick Rose, who is such a ball-dominant point guard, really out of necessity because he can't shoot. He needs the ball in his hands. Even though he's injured, he's still a very quick guard. Obviously, he doesn't have the same athleticism as he once had. But he's still a dynamic player in transition, to say the least. But with LeBron James handling the ball and that essentially moving Derrick Rose off ball when he's playing with LeBron James, I think I saw a stat on, I don't know if it was ESPN, but something where Derrick Rose, according to the advanced stats, he rated out as either the worst or one of the worst shooting guards in the NBA when he played that position last year. So I don't really see the Derrick Rose signing as a sign that Kyrie Irving is gone. I think that if Kyrie Irving is still there, Derrick Rose as the backup point guard getting some minutes when LeBron James isn't there, yeah, that makes a little bit more sense to me. But if Kyrie Irving's gone and Rose is slotted into the starting lineup, even if they try to stagnate Rose's minutes with LeBron so they're playing as much as they can not together, you still want LeBron playing 36, 38 minutes, especially in the playoffs at least. And then if Rose is your starting point guard, I mean, given his injury history, he probably wanted around 32, 34 minutes at most. And I just don't see the fit really with them playing together. And then let's I think, remember that we're not looking at a fit, just sitting back and trying to think of the best case scenario at the best time for the best of the team right now. I know you don't think this means Kyrie's gone and I'm not going to you know, go on paper quoting that he's gone until he's gone. But this is a signing out of freaking out to me. This is a smart signing, a cheap signing, not, they didn't blow the books on this one and it's a one year. So yeah, it's a low a risk high the, reward. A lot, for con- sure. a lot of the concerns you have, of course are valid, but that's why they only signed it to such a low one-year deal so they could really test the waters for themselves. But they're not going in on the Rose market after they already signed Calderon, a veteran point guard, early in the offseason to clearly be their backup um, to Kyrie. Now you think Kyrie is gone. Now you at least assume Kyrie is gone almost if you're the Cavaliers and act on that as a situation where you act just in case. Worst case scenario, because right now it's not looking like a very good one. Either way, like you said, you're having Rose as a backup point guard is a great scenario at this point in his career. To me, he's got pop. He's as efficient as ever. I believe he averaged three turnovers a game uh, compared to, you know, around four or five assists. It's, it's not, you know, he's not the Derrick Rose that he once was, but he still can play and you need a point guard to play on the Cavaliers this season. Not that Derrick Rose is going to get them to beat the Warriors because nothing they do this season or really any seasons moving forward for me to see them beating this giant... It just reminds me of the Monsters from Space Jam. (laughs) That is the Warriors. And Kevin Durant's done nothing but just fuel the fire on them being the beasts of the NBA. Both hated but both respected because you're not going to beat them and you're going to try and bolster the best roster you can to beat them. But that's how the NBA is now. And for the Cavaliers, they did taste that sweet taste of victory against a Warriors team that didn't have Draymond Green for a second with, you know, the suspension and some other, you know, factors that you can look at, but they still blew a big lead. 
And that's credit to the Cavaliers, of course, too. But they could do it. Now you take Kyrie out of that situation, and now you're back to square one in my book. Because LeBron could walk, he could stay. But who are you going to add around LeBron? Who who is what are the right pieces to even compete against the Warriors? And yes, they do sit in an extremely weak Eastern Conference, which is going to make it easy for them to make a run every year. But once you get to the conference finals and to the finals, if you do get that far, you're trying to think of what you can do to even compete and keep LeBron James happy. Because that is what you do if you're the Cavaliers. Because if he's not happy, he's not there. That's how that's how LeBron's been his whole career. Love it or hate it. If he's not happy, he walks. Yeah. And, you know, to yeah. me, going home, he served his purpose. He brought the trophy home. He made Cleveland live in again. And he served his time. He's a professional basketball player in a business. And he wants to, I don't think he's done winning. I don't know about you, man, but I don't think LeBron James is just content with what he's got right now. Yeah, I think it uh, It just, obviously it depends what happens with free agency this next year, because I think staying with the Cavs, I don't see a scenario where they're going to win another championship. I don't think that they can really do anything. They've kind of handicapped, or they've kind of just cornered themselves to where, with all these contracts they have, it's really tough to try to improve the team in any way. And obviously LeBron James isn't getting any younger. He's had three incredible NBA Finals appearances in a row. Unbelievable performances every single year. That goes um, back to the team, though. There's nothing wrong yeah, with LeBron. Yeah, he is so, the best player in the world right now. Yeah, so but, really, really quickly, before we move on, we're going to move on to some Kyrie Irving trade scenarios. I just wanted to say... One thing really quickly was that you talked about how if Kyrie Irving stays and there's all of this questioning about, oh, well, what's going to happen with Kyrie and that's going to be a distraction for the whole year and that's going to get LeBron to leave. I think even worse, though, would be panicking and doing a Paul George type type trade where you trade Kyrie Irving for pennies on the dollar. I mean, if I can even say pennies on the dollar when they got Oladipo and Sabonis for George, but if you have that type of a trade, that's going to deter LeBron even more than having to deal with these questions about Kyrie all season long. So, if the right at trade this point, at this point, it just looks like Melo needs out out of New York, Kyrie needs out, and they both want to go play for each other's teams. And of course, Melo's rumored that he wants to go to Houston as well. That's his number one choice. But he's also said that he would waive his trade clause to go to Cleveland. Uh, He's been reported saying that, you know, obviously reports are changing all the time. I saw something where he might have had mutual interest to go to the Thunder. Of course, I think that was more hypothetical. But really, to me, it's can the Rockets get this done? I don't know. But I think this is too perfect of timing to not have this be a perfect story. Between Melo and Kyrie both getting their wish. And as Kyrie said, going home. To New York, yeah. he's from New Jersey. I, you know, grew up there. So I, I really feel like that's just. It'd be so hard for me to see the Cavaliers not really, really just executing on this and finding a way to try and compete. Because yeah. bringing Melo in there might not be the best fit in people's eyes or anything, but that dude can play. And next to LeBron James, who knows what they can do because he's just been sitting in New York for the longest time. But I remember in Denver, him being one of the most exciting athletes I've, uh, you know, I was watching in the NBA at the time. Yeah. It was a long time ago, but yeah, I remember that. Throwback. too. So, all right, let's get to some trade scenarios for Kyrie Irving. So as all of you probably know, Kyrie Irving requested a trade from the Cavaliers or it was reported that he did. And he had his preferred destinations of the Knicks Spurs Timberwolves and Heat. Um, so Perry and I are going to be doing something where we're going to be talking about trade scenarios involving the Knicks, Spurs, Timberwolves, Heat, and also the Suns and the Clippers. We're going to be alternating where for the Knicks, I'm going to be looking at it, looking at it from the perspective of the Knicks and thinking what is the most that I would be willing to give up in order to get Kyrie Irving. And then the Cavaliers, that will be from Perry's perspective, and he's going to be thinking, what is the least that he would be willing to take in order to give up Kyrie Irving? So let's dive into this first trade scenario. So 
right away, right off the bat, you're the Cavs. What are you asking for from the Knicks in order to trade for Kyrie or to trade Kyrie? For me, obviously they have a lot of love for Kevin Love. But Kyrie Irving is just too perfect to get right now. Of course, uh, they got such a point guard for the future in the draft, but he's really expendable. You're talking about Kyrie Irving here, and you're talking about the New York Knicks, who have been one of the biggest jokes of basketball. So they need to make a move, and quick. They really struck gold with Chris Porzingis, and now at this point, they really need to build a team around him, and maybe not even necessarily around him, but put the pieces around him, and even if that means Kyrie is the star of that team, wherever your opinion lies uh, between the two of them, you need to get him on that team, especially when he's saying, I want to come home. So you need to execute. For me, uh, I think a package of uh, Carmelo, of course. Um, their point guard for the future, who wouldn't be too much of the future now. Uh, how do you... Uh, sorry, I always have trouble pronouncing his name. Akina. Yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> and a future... I think a future pick. So Anthony with him, with a future pick, would get me Irving. And no. I think no, you said he on Shumpert's deal to make that worthwhile. Perry, uh, yeah. you're looking at this from the perspective of the Cavs, though. What would oh. be the first thing? What would you be asking the Knicks in order to give them Kyrie? What would you want right. back? Right, that was uh, my main thing, Carmelo Anthony. That is that is where I'm going at it, and I know See, that doesn't look like a long-term you, plan, but Perry. what I was getting at was Carmelo Anthony needs to be the number one piece for me. Perry, and you're going yes. gonna to call the Knicks up and say, hey, I have Kyrie Irving, and all you're going to ask back for is Carmelo Anthony when the Knicks have Chris no, 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 no. Porzingis that was, that sitting the on the roster? That was the main piece. For but, me, I really think Anthony, Tolkina, and a future pick for Irving you know, would be what I'm asking for. But, but I, I know, but I'm saying if the Knicks have Chris Naps Porzingis on their roster, which they do, you call them up, and that's not the first thing you ask for for Kyrie. You got to start high and try to meet them in the middle, right? Right. I mean, I, I feel like that's you're striking gold with that with that deal, and that's just in my opinion. Of course, you know you can think. Oh no, I'm not saying if I'm the Knicks, I'm not giving up Porzingis. I'm doing everything I can to right. offer anyone except Porzingis. But I think from the Cavs' perspective, yeah, that has to be the first person that you talk about is a trade centered around Chris Saps Porzingis for Kyrie Irving. Okay, so you think Porzingis would be in this trade? Because I see zero scenario in my mind. No, I, I don't think that. I don't think Porzingis Kyrie there without Porzingis. I do not think that Porzingis would be in the trade, but I think that that's the first thing that the Cavs offer. But then, yeah. So okay, moving on. So, what would be the least, the smallest offer, the worst offer that you would settle for giving up Kyrie? <laughs> I mean, stay away from what, uh, Noah and stay away from Tim Hardaway. <laughs> and you yeah. won, and you won. You're going to take on those contracts, and you're really making a bad decision. For me, um, Tolkina, a uh, future pick, and another kind of role player kind of thing would, I guess, be the lowest I would take, but that, that wouldn't even be an option for me. That kind of would be really set on the trade scenario I was thinking. Other than that, I really don't. Unless it's a timing issue with them waiting too long for Kyrie, I think they can they could get you know a lot a lot more than that minimum. But I guess if you're gonna have to look at that, that would be my minimum. Yeah, and I think from the Knicks' perspective, the most that they give up, I think that I think Kyrie is a better player than Chris Saps Porzingis. I'm not as high on Porzingis as some people are, but I still would not trade Porzingis for Kyrie Irving just because you have two more years with Porzingis on his rookie contract, and then he's going to be a restricted free agent, so you can sign him to another deal up to five years, so that's seven more years of Porzingis on your team versus, I know Kyrie wants to be on the Knicks now, but once he gets there and sees how dysfunctional they are, is he really going to want to be there past two more years? Who knows? But you, so, get, you get Carmelo out of there, and you know you got Phil Jackson out of there, and how dysfunctional is it that you know it might have been how dysfunctional were they? Well, they still they, they still they have Dolan. As, they still have Dolan as the owner though, and that's a huge problem. Ever since he Dolan is a, took he over, is a problem. <laughs> they have been an absolute mess. So I just 
I don't understand why the Cavs would trade Kyrie Irving if all they're getting back is Carmelo Anthony. I know there were some reports that there were some deals being spoken about where the Cavs would be trading Irving and Kevin Love and bringing in Carmelo and Eric Bledsoe, but how does that make sense? Carmelo Anthony, you're going to be getting someone who is probably, what, eight, nine years older than Kyrie Irving, and then Eric Bledsoe's a younger player, but he gets injured every year. He has terrible knees. He plays, what, 30 to 40 games a year? So I don't see how that's enticing LeBron James to say. I know him and Carmelo Anthony are friends, but, I mean, he, he, wants, yeah, to, he wants to win. Go so far, it's a business. Yeah, yeah. So that doesn't that never really made a ton of sense to me. So let's move on to the Spurs. So for this one, Perry, you'll take the perspective of the Spurs. I'm going to take the Cavs. So... What would be the initial offer, or what's the most, I guess, that you would be willing to give up as the Spurs to get Kyrie? I mean, you got a young, you got young players like Murray, Patty Mills. You got some talent on there that you could dish out, but you really just you gave Patty Mills a four-year, fifty million dollar deal, and you really tied up. Uh, I believe it's a little bit over fifteen million next season for Tony Parker on his last season that is still for this coming season. So that, that also makes an issue. So this really seems like a long a stretch for me, but if I am the Spurs, I am, I think I give up LaMarcus Aldridge. One, because he's not happy there. Two, because I feel like they don't have too many pieces other than that to center such a big deal around. And they really could come out with some value. I remember LaMarcus Aldridge was very public about not being happy there. I don't know how you're not happy in San Antonio. It's just the best culture around there, but he's not. And of course, you want to keep such a talent like LaMarcus Aldridge. But for me, that's the only scenario if I'm the Spurs to where I can give up, not a bad situation, but not the best, and get back Kyrie Irving and ride out Tony Parker's last expensive season and who knows let him walk or you know sign him to a cheaper deal but he would have to take a different role also but really to me it would be uh you know just an aldridge deal for me and maybe adding some young talent if needed but i don't see anything more than aldridge and uh yeah that's really all I've, what about you yeah i think this is another one where it would just be really tough for the spurs to be able to strike a deal on this because from the Cavs' perspective, the first player you ask for is Kawhi Leonard, but I don't there's think no there's no way that that's happening. I think the Cavs would – I wouldn't be surprised if they would be interested in maybe a Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love deal for Kawhi Leonard, and then they take back Tony Parker. Parker's got one year left on his deal. He's coming off of that torn quadriceps, so he's going to be, what, 34, 35? So who knows how good he's going to be this upcoming year and moving forward. But I do not see the Spurs trading Kawhi Leonard under any circumstance at all. They have him at around $19 million for the next three years. Um, so, yeah, I think that the best that they'd be able to do from the Spurs would probably be LaMarcus Aldridge, and then maybe they just don't have that many other attractive pieces. Pau Gasol just re-signed, so they can't trade him up until... I think like December. Same no thing need to trade him either. I really think they brought him back on as much money as they did really for his veteran presence when well, it comes 16 to the playoffs. Million really. a year, that's you got to get more than just a veteran presence. But right. I mean, he still puts up numbers yeah, as well. But I, just, I, I still think it was a little bit of a reach on the amount of money they gave. But that's another topic. But yeah, let's uh, so moving on to the next team. Uh, we got the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, I'm going to take the place as the Cavs. Yes. You'll be the Wolves. All right, so what What are you asking for if you are the Wolves? Well, if I'm the Wolves, I want Kyrie. Or what, do you, what do you give it up? <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, if I'm the Wolves, I think... If I'm the Wolves, I just signed Jeff Teague, so he can't be traded for until, I think, December or January. So if... Kyrie is somehow still on the roster in December, then I think Teague is involved in this deal. I think Wiggins has to be... Ironically, Wiggins would be going back to the Cavaliers after he was just traded out for Kevin Love three years ago. So, yeah, and now they're having to give up Irving to get Wiggins back. 
So I think it's got to be centered around Andrew Wiggins. And then if you can somehow wait until December or January, although if the Cavaliers are doing well, I don't see why they would be switching up their roster that much in the middle of the season. But if it's possible, then yeah, you do a Wiggins and Jeff Teague deal for Kyrie Irving, and then you probably take back a contract from the Cavs, like a Channing Fry deal or the Iman Shumpert deal. He's got $10.5 million for the next two years. Yeah, Shumpert still needs to go. Yeah, Shumpert, J.R. Smith, 13, almost $14 million for the next three years. So someone like that. Right. I mean, for me, uh, as the Cavs, I'm in total agreement. Honestly, I, th- I think this is a trade that could work out strictly just because of Andrew Wiggins. And the irony in that, of course, coming back to the Cavaliers. Yeah. But this trade does not happen without Andrew Wiggins. If I am the Cavaliers, I need a young player that can potentially become a star. And we don't know that quite about Wiggins, but all the hype around Wiggins is not... It's, it's about to get backed up even more than he already has, in my opinion, uh, or being around better players, maturing a whole other year. I'm not saying this is going to be his breakout season, but you do need to look towards the foreseeable future if you're the Cavaliers. So getting a piece like him in return is the only thing that I would obviously do. And I agree with you on the contract dump. Uh, just like I said, Shepard Steele needs to go. And <clears throat> I think that's the one deal that makes the most sense of letting go. Training Fry, like you said, also, I really like what Training Fry brings to their team, though. Uh, he's really, really created a nice spot on the Cavs as a guy who can get really hot from the outside and still contribute in a lot of ways. And I feel like, obviously, he did do very well in the Suns for the you know the role that he carved out. But he's really found his role in yeah. Cleveland. I don't see him going. But yeah, I really, he... for, for me, it's just as simple as... Wiggins and you know you're taking you're taking a contract for me and then of course is you know another piece that asked back from from Wiggins but just like you said they have a lot of money tied up right now not a lot of flexibility all yeah. I know is that if Andrew Wiggins is not come to Cleveland you're not getting Kyrie Irving in my opinion yeah and I agree with you that Fry doesn't make too much sense if I'm the Cavs I'd rather want to ship out Smith or Shumpert Smith has three years left on his deal Shumpert too Fry it's just one more year 7.4 million for uh veteran power forward coming off the bench who doesn't contribute a ton but it's not terrible and then the contract's going to be off the books in a year so I don't think that would be worthwhile but if you can clear up some cap room um, then I think if they were able to do that trade with Wiggins and Teague I think they could probably flip Teague for some sort of young assets from a team in need of a point guard going into the playoffs I think out of the three deals that we've just talked about so far, this one, I would say, easily makes the most sense. Would you agree? I would agree. Uh, I think the Suns, which is going to be our next team of topic, would also be right there with me as well, just because they have a lot of young talent there and a lot of flexibility, and they've been the topic of a lot of trade rumors. So, I mean, yeah, I agree. I think the Timberwolves would make a lot of sense with Wiggins being there and being so valuable to send out, honestly, and I don't think he's going to have the best role on this new Timberwolves team. I think he will develop a good role there, but they're trying to win now and at least try and bring some sort of winning culture to uh, Minnesota. And I just don't see it. I just don't see this happening. Yeah, of course, unless Wiggins goes and I really see that being a possibility. So, you know, that could be cool, but I think Teague is a big stop sign for this deal. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So let's okay. talk the Suns. Yeah, let's I'm go gonna to be, the Suns. I'm, I'm going to be the Suns. Yes, be the I'll Cavs. be the Cavs. So immediately if I call up the Suns and I'm trying to trade Kyrie Irving, I'm starting off asking for Devin Booker and Josh Jackson. So what do you say to that? The jokes that you have, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, uh, Booker is not going anywhere. Okay. Uh, you wouldn't trade Booker for Irving straight up. You wouldn't trade Booker for Irving straight up. No. Neither would I. <laughs> no, I don't think so at all. Uh, I love Kyrie Irving as a player. I think Booker's upside is insane. Uh, I actually live in the Phoenix area still, um, going to college out in Arizona. I'm finishing out in the state, and there's a lot of hype around Devin Booker here. Uh, he comes out to the clubs out here. He is so big in the Phoenix scene right now, just on all ends. He is the face, a good-looking kid. He's at the clubs. He's 
dropping 70 points in a game. He yeah. is everything you can ask for if you're the Phoenix Suns when it comes to bringing someone that could be a star, a superstar at some point in his career. And if not, at least be one of the more exciting players to watch. You can't give that up. And for me, Josh Jackson, you get rid of him. If you have Kyrie Irving right now, I love Josh Jackson's upside. But this is Kyrie Irving we're talking about right now. And I think if I'm the Suns, I'm trying my best to give up him and Eric Bledsoe, who is rumored to want to go to the Cavaliers to win basketball games, even though he does love Phoenix. I just see Josh Jackson and Bledsoe trying – that. that is kind of my tipping point. I think that straight up is pretty fair to me to where I'm getting Kyrie Irving next to Devin Booker, and that is such an exciting backcourt. And you're adding young talent, Marquise Chris, Derek Jones Jr., uh, all of these guys on the Suns that are so young and upcoming right now. They really have a formula for success when it comes to kind of the long con. They're really being patient. They did not give up that pick uh, when everyone was trying to go grab Josh Jackson. They stayed patient, and now they actually have him as a player. And for to me, when something like this pops up, I think you want to win right now if you're the, if you're the Suns and you get so excited that you have a guy like Devin Booker on your roster, and you do your best to partner him up with someone else who's almost excited, no, just as exciting, if not more. Yeah, so I think, for me, I, I think that's that's pretty fair. If I you're think look for Bledsoe, if God. I'm the Cavs and you offer me that, then I'm going to counter with, okay, how about um, Josh Jackson, Eric Bledsoe, and then Dragon Bender. What do you think about that for Kyrie? I think at that point, it makes sense for me to take on Channing Frye's contract. Um, and, you know, okay. if you're going to ask for Dragon Bender uh, coming your way, I think you want to get rid of Channing Fry also, and ironically bringing him back to Phoenix. But I think Kyrie and Channing Fry for the three of them would actually be a great deal. So I increased your offer. I asked for what you had offered plus Dragon Bender, and you wanted to take. It's, it's not back. the salary wow. dump that bothers me anymore. For that, if anything, it's the opposite effect. You're looking for another player that's going to contribute to that roster right now because if you're going to get Kyrie Irving, you're not sitting here waiting for your young prospects to grow and mature and build your own culture there from scratch. You're bringing Kyrie to town and having the culture that you got there with your young, exciting players and building that all around Kyrie and wanting to win now and you bring another piece with him from Cleveland. That makes sense to me. Someone that can score, someone that can stretch the floor extremely well, someone that has the caliber to start. If you know, I don't think Channing Frye is a starting player right now, but he could on you know a few teams. And if not, he could be extremely valuable off the bench. So I think taking on his contract is worth it. Uh, I think that's a positive for me. Not you know I see what, obviously I see what you mean by countering that back, but I, I really I'm looking for another player on my roster if you're taking Bender. So okay. All right, well, I think that would be definitely an intriguing deal for the Cavs. So let's move on to the next team, which will be the Clippers. And I will be taking the perspective of the Clippers. You will be the Cleveland Cavaliers on this one. So this one is pretty tricky for the Clippers. They can't include Blake Griffin in this trade because he just signed his new deal with the Clippers, his max contract. They can't include Gallinari because they just got him from the Nuggets, so Griffin and Gallinari, they'd have to wait until like December or January in order to trade them. Lou Williams and Patrick Beverly, for whatever reason, I'm not sure why, but neither one of them can be included in a trade involving other players. They can only be traded for picks. So that really... Yeah, that really limits the Clippers' options right now. Again, let's let's uh, let's cut this one short, and this is going to be a surprise for you. I'm the Cavs right now. I don't even answer the Clippers' phone call. That's not a surprise for me because the best the best they can offer right now is DeAndre Jordan. (laughs) Yeah, DeAndre Jordan, and then they don't even have the Rockets pick anymore because that's going to the Nuggets, I believe, or the Hawks as part of that three-team deal that got them Gallinari and free agency. And I believe the Celtics have their draft pick, so it's not like they can offer many assets moving forward either. So yeah, it's really just DeAndre Jordan or nothing. Yeah, when you look at it, and 
for him, I, I don't see any fit for him in Cleveland. Yeah, if Kyrie is still on the Cavs in December or January when all of a sudden Blake Griffin and Gallinari become available, then they have a little bit more options, but I still don't think that they could do anything that could really make the Cavaliers consider them. Yeah, really, I, I think this is our, our least likely destination. Yeah, yeah. Right. All right, All right so, cool. so last one we have heat. up. Yep, Heat. So for this one, Perry, you're going to be the Heat. I'll be the Cavaliers. So okay. if I call you up as the Cavs, or you know what? You call me up as the Heat because you know I'm looking to trade Kyrie. What's the initial offer you give me? Uh, okay, well, for me, you actually have some pieces to work with in Miami. Uh, you have, you know, you could dangle a player like Drogic, Drogic, sorry, uh, a positional fit, and I'm um, pretty sure, you know, their salaries match pretty close, and, you know, throwing a, for me, that's that's the main piece for me, and you have another person like Justice Winslow, uh, I think the two of them is my initial offer, if I'm calling up the Cavs, just the two of them for Kyrie, and I'd be waiting for a counter response, is the way I would be going about this. So it was Justice Winslow and Goran Dragic for Kyrie Irving? Yeah. I think Whiteside just he's not he's not what the NBA is moving toward. They're moving away from those traditional really just in the paint bigs that just protect the paint and can't really stretch the floor, but he's still a great player and someone who definitely contributes to a team borderline all-star so I value Whiteside a little more than Drogic I'm trying to think of some trade where I'd want to if I'm getting Whiteside and giving up Kyrie Irving I'd want to get rid of Tristan Thompson's contract somehow so okay I just don't I just don't see him moving a player like him I think that I think they have way too much confidence in him in my opinion I think they should just abandon ship on Tristan Thompson not saying that he's the worst player in the world. Not saying that he is, doesn't contribute. I don't. I just don't think he contributes enough. I don't oh. see his stat. I don't no. see his stat line ever jumping off the. Paper I know that's why. Me. That's why I'm trying to get rid of Tristan Thompson in this deal. Oh, I'm t- getting white. Totally. I, do, I was just saying. I just for some reason I just see Cleveland having so much you know confidence in him. Well, I think I it's more it. just because he's he has the same agent as LeBron. So that's oh, one that way is. to try to keep LeBron. Yeah, I mean mm-hmm. agents play a big factor in the NBA and all sports really that's of one of one of the reasons why people really liked the Kentavious Caldwell Pope signing to the Lakers was because he shares the same agent as LeBron so now that gives the Lakers an right. ability to go talk to LeBron's agent without getting penalized by the NBA for it for um, tampering charges because no if anyone asked they're talking oh, yeah. about KCP not LeBron wink wink so, yeah, I mean, this one, I think the Heat, yeah. I think, they, I think they have the pieces to make it happen if they really wanted to make this happen. I just don't see it I think they're being, up there. Uh, being the best. I think, out of, yeah, out of the ones that we talked about, I think the ones that make the most Heat, I'd say the Suns and the Timberwolves are in a tier on their own. Um, and we talk about tears all the time in our group chat. Uh, oh my god! <laughs> I know Christian's not going to like the tears, but yeah, Suns and the Timberwolves are definitely in that first tier, and then the Heat. I place them a little bit underneath, and they're separate second tier, and then obviously the Clippers at the bottom. We couldn't even think of a trade for them, and then yeah, now right above them, the phone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then right above them would be the Spurs, and then. The Knicks, yeah, I mean, if they don't trade Porzingis, I don't really see a trade happening. Right. So Cool. So do you see any other teams making a push for them at all, or do you see that list kind of exhausting all possible options? Yeah, I think obviously every team, whenever there's a superstar that's available, every team's going to try to inquire about them and try to think of some way where they can get that player onto their team without giving up any of their cornerstones. But I think... Those are the teams that I think would be the most active in trying to get Kyrie Irving. Um, one of my friends asked me earlier this week if I would do a Lonzo Ball trade straight up for Kyrie Irving. I said no, and that's not to say that I think Lonzo Ball is a better player or that I think Lonzo Ball will become a better player. I 
I just think with Kyrie Irving, we've seen what he can do as the best player on the team, albeit it was a few years ago when he was younger. But I still think if Kyrie Irving is your best player on a team, especially in the Western Conference, you're I don't even know if you're going to make the playoffs, much less be a contender. So Lonzo Ball being a rookie, first year of his four-year rookie deal, and then you have control of him probably for another five years on a max deal, assuming everything plays out. Um, And also keeping your cap flexibility, Kyrie Irving gets paid, I think, like $19 million versus Lonzo's six, seven million. So Lakers trying to angle themselves for two superstars, although they'd have Kyrie Irving, who you could argue borderline superstar, maybe. I'd rather have the cap flexibility to go out and try to intrigue LeBron, and LeBron's shown that he's an excellent recruiter, so if you get LeBron, I think you definitely get another player. So, yeah, I think these teams make the most sense. Cool. All right, yeah, and I think we're in agreement on that one. All right, so we're moving on. Uh, does it make sense for Carmelo to block a trade for him to the Cavs for Kyrie? Yeah, so let's try to get through this one kind of quickly. I think this was just reported a few days ago by Ian Begley of ESPN that Carmelo Anthony would uh, block a trade to the Cavaliers because he wanted to go to the Rockets. I think after seeing all of the dysfunction in Cleveland you got to weigh that versus all the dysfunction with the Knicks and how unhappy Carmelo is. I think if push came to shove and there's a deal on the table where it's all agreed upon and all Carmelo has to do is sign off on it, I think he says, yes, I'll go to the Cavaliers, go suffer through dominating the Eastern Conference, playing with one of my best friends, LeBron James, getting to the NBA Finals and getting swept by the Golden State Warriors. It's better than being on the Knicks and not sniffing the playoffs. Beggars can't be choosers, my friend. And he wants to go. And he needs to go yeah. badly. So this isn't one of those, where do I want to go? And this is it. And that's the only team I'm waving this for. What if the Rockets can't pull this off? What yep. do you do? Sit in New York for another year and have this be another soap opera of, you know, Carmelo just completely causing a distraction for the entire league? No one wants to hear it. People are sick of it. I'm sick of Carmelo. I love him <laughs> as a player, but I want him to play somewhere where it's not a joke. Yeah. Not that not not just that the Knicks are a joke, because I think they could turn a roster around just like any other team could turn a roster around. But with Carmelo there, you're never gonna get past that giant distraction. It's like a it's like a chatty girl in high school, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just too much of a distraction. So I think I think you go anywhere. I think you go to the Cavs. I think you go to the Hornets. I think you go anywhere. I, I don't know New about York. the Hornets. If I'm going to be on a <laughs> miserable team, I'd rather want to be living in New York than living in Charlotte. Yeah, there you go. That's one thing. <laughs> so, uh, all right, so on to the next. Uh, do you see any scenario where LeBron waves his no trade clause? Yeah, I think this is really simple. I don't see any scenario. I think LeBron James is someone who, for his entire career, he's wanted all the power and even if the Cavaliers were to trade him somewhere where he might want to go in free agency, I think he is smart enough to realize that it makes sense to him for his prospects of winning another championship that if he's going to a team, why not wait until free agency to go there so that they don't have to give up any of their assets because he wants as much talent around him to try to compete with the Lakers. I mean, I wish with the Lakers, but to try to compete with the Warriors. Now you got me dreaming. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I agree. I completely agree. LeBron does not trade his no, does not wave yeah. his no trade clause for absolutely anybody. He plays in Cleveland where he belongs this season and lets the whole thing play out. And he does what LeBron does best next offseason and makes a decision. Yeah, and I think he on also. On TV. Uh, I don't think he's going to get on TV. I think <laughs> Never again. He, no, Never he, again. he learned from that. I, Never again. No. Uh, but I think also he just wants to stick it to Dan Gilbert too uh, and just leave him once again with absolutely nothing. I don't think it's obvious. He, he doesn't have a good relationship with Gilbert. He's never gotten over the letter that Gilbert wrote right after he left. And I don't blame him for that. Gilbert should be smart enough to not be doing something like that, but he's shown time and time again with all his decisions. 
Yeah. All right. So moving on to our last topic of the podcast, as always, we're going to end this with a debate. So Perry, I'll ask you the question and let you start off. So if you were a fan of the Cavaliers and you could choose, would you rather win a title this upcoming year and have LeBron leave afterwards? Or have LeBron stay in Cleveland for the rest of his NBA career, but the Cavaliers don't win another title with him? It's a tough one. Uh, my favorite part of each podcast, the debate, of yes. course. Uh, but for me, ah, this is so tough. If I'm a fan of Cleveland, I want another trophy. That is me. Uh, LeBron James is not going to stay around forever as immortal as he looks. He's not going to stay around forever. I really don't think he's going to stay in Cleveland past this year to begin with. But, of course, this is just all hypothetical. Yeah. For me, I'd rather him give me one more championship and let LeBron do what he does best. Go walk, take the money, go try and win some championships elsewhere, and who knows if that's going to happen. But he came home. He came to Cleveland. He won that title for them. He didn't just win that title. He's put them in the NBA Finals multiple years in a row. He's made Cleveland worth talking about. He's made people fans of the Cleveland Cavaliers when all they cared about before was this young phenom, LeBron James. That's the only reason why anyone cared. He left. They became irrelevant again. He came back. They really appreciated the event. So for me, of course, you don't want LeBron James to to walk. You want him to ride out the rest of his career in Cleveland. But as a fan, if you're going to put me with a choice and have him stay with us in Cleveland and not win another title, and to me that's wasted years, you take that one trophy that you're not going to get if he stays in this scenario and not winning another championship. Of course, he keeps them relevant. But still, you're talking about another NBA championship and another reason to bring people there. Of course, LeBron James is a reason himself to come to Cleveland. Uh, that's kind of what you're going for. But for me, you brought another title home. and You brought two, two trophies home to Cleveland after coming home and trying to make that what this was all about. I say you did your job and farewell to the king. And thank you for two trophies. And have fun teaming up with wherever you want to. Because you're not going to beat the Warriors. But uh, for me as a fan, I take another trophy because I'd rather do that than go through the rest of his career uh, and counting that as meaningless years for me and not winning another trophy. It's all about winning for me. Yeah, and I could not disagree more. Yes. (laughs) I think I remember this question being asked when LeBron James was with the Cavs and he was entering free agency back in 2010. And... My thought process, even though LeBron is older, so you're not going to have as many years left with him, I think if given the opportunity, yeah, of course, I'd rather want LeBron and have a team that I really enjoy watching and get to watch deep into May and into June every single year than getting this one more championship and then falling back into absolute misery for the next... I. It's Cleveland, so it could be 10, 15 years before they're relevant again. They could pull the Chicago Cubs and pull 100 years plus. Who knows? Yeah. I. It was, what, over 50 years before they won it that one time. So I just think, look, he already brought the championship to Cleveland. I think now just enjoy actually having a team to root for because especially with the Cavaliers, you – you're not like a top destination for free agents. It's not like once LeBron retires and if you're able to... I'm, go- I'm going to Ohio. Yeah. <laughs> LeBron's the only one who's ever said that, and look at him. He's regretting it. He wants to get right. out of there, and he's from there. There's no one that's growing up in L.A. or growing up in New York saying, God, when I get older, I want to be just like LeBron James and go to Cleveland. They're saying they want to be like LeBron James, but they do not want to be playing for the Cavaliers. Right, and I can totally see where you're coming from about wanting to keep him on your team, having a team that's fun to watch for years to come, for at least the rest of his years to come. But as a fan, sitting there watching your team go to the postseason but knowing that they have no chance or knowing that, for me, there's nothing that they can do to win that title and it's just going to be meaningless basketball to me every year because it's not this you know, huge state of growth and the process, if you may, to 
be patient and wait for these players to develop. And it's your time again. And you've already accepted your years of us at this point. You want to win the championship. And if not, you see what's happening in Cleveland last year, for example, when they didn't win. Like it really brought so much hype to Cleveland, of course, but just really brought them down after. And they're a city that doesn't have much to root for. They don't have much going on. You know, the Indians are kind of all right again in baseball. But other than that, you got the Cleveland Cavaliers and LeBron James. But, other, you know, you're not looking to ride out his career into the sunset with zero rings when you lose to the Warriors every single year. Well, but he's still there the trying his hardest. That's the thing, is that they already have their ring. And you talk about how they have nothing else to root for outside of LeBron James. That's exactly my point, is that... I, You're going to have to rebuild if, at some point, though. Well, yeah, but if I'm Cleveland and this is really the only time that the Cavaliers have ever been relevant is with LeBron James, other than Michael Jordan's shot over Craig Elo back in the finals in, what was it, like the late 80s, and that's them known for losing. This is the only time where they've actually been known for winning. This is the only really good time in their history and they've been around for what? So while you got 50 this time, years. you take another trophy while you can. You don't have 15, 16 banners hanging up. You got yeah. your one trophy. Yeah, exactly. Lately, you, you, already, you, know, so. you already have your championship. So now I want to enjoy this time that I have left with LeBron James as much as I can. I want to savor every single moment of this because once he's gone, I have no idea if. I'm ever going to be able to root for the Cavaliers in an NBA Finals game again. And you talk about never. how probably <laughs> never. But if there's any Cavaliers fans listening, we don't want to completely ruin your hopes for you. But yeah, it's I don't think from they'll a, be from <laughs> NBA unwrapped to you, Cleveland fans. We are so sorry for what's going to come. Yeah, so, sorry <laughs> to break it for you to you guys, but. You guys are in for some uh, pretty miserable seasons, especially they've mortgaged. That's another thing is that they've mortgaged their entire future to win now. They've been giving up draft picks left and right to bring in these average players to try to help LeBron James win. And it somewhat worked. I mean, they gave up two draft picks in the Timofey Mozgov trade, which also allowed them to, they also got J.R. Smith and Iman Shumpert and, they, especially J.R. Smith, he helped contribute to that one championship. So, yeah, you mortgage your future in order to get your championship. Great. Now, especially since it's not like if you're terrible going forward, you're going to have a ton of great draft picks since they're owed to different teams. How about you just enjoy these last four, maybe five years left with LeBron James? And you talk about how it was going to be false hope going into the playoffs every year. Well, at least, at least you got hope. Yeah, and our hypothetical about how right. they get to choose, they wouldn't, it's not like they're going to know going, I mean, maybe they will know, is that going into the playoffs, no matter how good they are, the Warriors are going to beat them. But who knows? Maybe you don't win it this year. Maybe next year or the year after, someone on the Warriors, and I'm never rooting for someone to get injured, but Maybe someone on the Warriors, Durant, Curry, Thompson, Green, Stuff one of them happens. has some terrible injury. And then if you take out any one of those players, obviously Durant's the biggest piece to them all, but you take out Green, who's the heartbeat of that entire team, or Clay Thompson, who's their, I mean, you could say best perimeter defender. Green's an excellent defender too, but definitely a great defender inside as well, not necessarily he's really protecting just, he's really the rim. He's really yeah, just he can a do, Swiss he can, Army he can, he can do anything. But Clay Thompson's a great perimeter defender too. So any one of those players, if they get injured, then it's up for grabs. I think as long as the Warriors have Durant and Curry, they're still going to be the favorites, even if Green or Thompson gets injured. But at least then they're vulnerable. And if you have LeBron right. James, you are always going to have a chance. We are talking about a scenario where he does stay on the Cavs and doesn't win another title though. Yeah, so that's but, just assuming that you know stuff does stay how it is, and you're willing to just ride off into the sunset with you know the king and his you know last few years and make it special. But you know that's a matter if you want to ring 
now and take the chance of sucking for however long that's going to be or being as good as you could and not winning a ring and still not knowing when you're going to win another one for however long no so it's no matter what we're talking about it's the king's world and it's lebron james's it's his game and everything about it and he breathes the wrong way and we freak out <laughs> so i mean you know when it comes down to it you love him you hate him you want him to stay you want him to go it's LeBron's world. Yeah, I just think you got your ring. You waited over 50 years to finally get that championship ring. Now, who knows when you're going to be able to root for the Cavaliers like you are right now. I just think you got that ring. Now, savor every moment you have left with LeBron James, whether it's just this upcoming year or whether it's the next four or five years until he retires. Just enjoy it because once he's gone... The future of the Cavaliers is not not going to be fun. So, yeah, all right. So, thank you to everyone that's still tuned in to us right now. We always appreciate that. Uh, We hope you enjoyed our All Cavaliers episode today. So, uh, any last words for all of our listeners today, Corbin? Just thanks for listening. We were trying to cut this one down to be at most one hour. It's an hour six minutes now, so we're getting better on cutting this down. We'll keep working yeah, on it. Hang with us, we, guys. We just we have did, a lot to say. We did promise no more two-hour podcasts, so we cut it down by about an hour. So happy about that. Happy about that. So from me, Corbin Weinerman, and joined by Perry Aston. Thank you for listening to NBA Unwrapped Episode Two: All Things Cavs, where we unwrap the hottest takes from around the NBA. Thank you, and hope you tune in next time. See you guys next time. Have a good one.